0: to God be the glory on this morning. You all are beautiful people. I'm so excited to be here. I am very excited to see my oldest auntie, well, youngest. I'm sorry, (laughs) auntie. To be here on this morning. That was an extremely beautiful surprise. I just saw that. You all are beautiful people, and I'm just so happy and uh, thankful and humble to be here to just speak God's word on this morning. Uh, God is worthy to be praised, and he is such a beautiful God. Uh, thank you, Drew. Uh, thank you, Daryl. Thank you all just for the great hospitality just leading up to this moment. Uh, I am so excited to speak to you about what God has to say. Um, I enjoy talking about what God has said and then just regurgitating it out to you. And so, without further ado, I just want to dive into the Word, if that's okay with you. I will be speaking from Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, starting at verse 1. Luke chapter 15, starting at verse 1. I'll tell you how beautiful this is. I, I was preparing a sermon. Uh, Earlier this week, and as I was about to prepare what I wanted to say to South City, God redirected me to uh, speak from Luke 15. I was like, God, I know what I have to say is going to be real good. And God said, I want you to speak this particular parable. I've never preached this parable before. So this is hot off the press. And so I'm very excited to share this with you. Luke chapter 15, started at verse 1. It says that tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a 100 sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for the one who is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God over the 99 others who are righteous in heaven straight away. This morning, I would like to speak on the subject who's your one? Who's your one? Imagine walking with your family and you are in a crowded area. Let's say you have three children and you're walking with them and they're small children. Well, you can only grab two of their hands one over here and one over here, and you're going through this crowd, let's say 100 or 200 people, and you're walking through the crowd. And you know your other child is there, but you're just checking on them, saying, sweetheart or buddy, keep up. And we're walking through and we're trying to get through. And you're dealing with your other kids and you're trying to get there and you turn around and you no longer can see your other child. Some parents may have experienced something similar to this. When you lost your child for a moment. It's it's a gut wrenching feeling. It's like, oh my God, where is my child? You 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 just become frightened. Imagine what that child is experiencing. They're lost, they no longer have their parent. They cannot see their brother or sisters. And then you as a parent, you are frightened as well, and so you're gonna do everything you can at that moment to find your child. You're gonna drop everything. You're gonna move anybody. You're gonna do what you have to do to go and find your lost child. Because you love your child. There is a connection between you and your child. My brothers and sisters, I believe that this is the same message that Jesus Christ is speaking to us in this passage. He is saying that I have children out there that are lost and I need them to come back to me. And he's looking for them. Searching for them. And he desires for them to be reconnected back to the Father. He wants them to be reconnected back to the home of God. They're lost, they're frightened, they have no covering. They don't know what to do. God wants to connect that lost child back. And right here in this text, I believe that God is speaking that same message. Who's that one person that you know? That is lost. I love the way these parables start out. Right there in verse one, it says this: it says tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus preach. This is interesting. I love this part. Of the the first verse helps me out. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners are listening to Jesus. I need y'all to see that, please don't miss that. Tax collectors and notorious sinners are listening to Jesus teach. Okay. They are listening to what Jesus has to say. Interesting, because these people are considered probably of another class on the socio-economical spectrum. They're tax collectors, right? I mean, I'm sure you all love tax collectors, right? April 15th is our favorite day. We can't wait to pay taxes. They've put the tax collectors in this particular spectrum and saying that they're greedy people. How dare you associate with them? And then these sinners who are far from God, they are not doing what God says, but yet in this scripture, and even in another translation, it says this, they often came to listen to Jesus tax collectors and sinners listen to Jesus, but then you see the other group of people, the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law. See, these guys, they are very educated. They've done a lot of things to get the particular title that they're in, but yet they are complaining. Interesting. We have sinners who are listening to Jesus, and we have people with positions and titles that are complaining. It's interesting about the Pharisees, as you do some more work on them, you find that the Pharisees weren't always like that. They actually used to enjoy bringing people into the faith. But somewhere along the timeline, something changed. They start frowning their nose up at sinners. They start frowning their nose up at people that were not in their particular cohort or church body. They would frown their nose up at them. For some reason, they acted as if they did not want them to be a part of the faith. And then they would antagonize someone else's method to bring them into the faith. It's right there in the text. The complaint is Jesus is associating with them by teaching them the word of God. They're upset because he's talking to them about who Jesus is. How dare you talk to them about God? Why? Are you talking to them about Jesus? Why are you talking to them about God? This is their complaint. I want us to be very careful in this text because it's real easy for us to be placed into a category of having a Pharisee mindset. Sometimes we may find ourselves frowning up at other people. They may not look like us. They may not talk like us. They may not do some of the same things that we do. And we frown up at them. They may not wear the same things that we wear. They may go to different places that we don't go. And so we just start looking at them all. Who is that? Where are they around us? Hmm. This is going on in the text. The Pharisees are tripping. That's what I call it a mob, me version. They tripping. <laughs> They're frowning their nose up at people. They're complaining because sinners are coming to hear what Jesus has to say. And I love this about Jesus because then he comes up with this response. Some people may have try to defend their position. Why am I sitting down with tax collectors? This is why I do this, A, B, C, one, two, three. Yet Jesus does this, he tells them a story. It's a beautiful story. Suppose a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, would he not go? To find the lost sheep. I need y'all to see this about this man. This man in this story that has a hundred sheep loses one. I need y'all to see this. This is very important. Please check this out. The man went and found the sheep. He didn't wait on the sheep to come to him. He went searching for the lost sheep because the sheep was lost. He owns a hundred sheep. And then he leaves the 99 to go look for the one. Now, these other 99, they're important, but they're safe. Perhaps they're guarded by sheepdogs. Y'all know what sheepdogs are. They, they, they come on the outside of the herd, and they make sure nothing bad gets in. It's kind of like here at the church. There are people, probably elders, uh, pastors, and ministry leaders that they want to make sure that no crazy doctrine walks into the church. They're like sheepdogs. They're protecting things that come into this atmosphere. And so they, they're protecting them, and they're looking at this. I need us to see that right here in this particular text, that this man is making sure that the, uh, that the hundred sheep, the 99 is taken care of, but he has to go find that one. Who is that one sheep for you? Do you know anyone that is lost? Do you know anyone that that may not know Jesus? This is what's going on in this text. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for the one that is lost until he finds it? The one that is lost. Ninety-nine others are good. They're protected. They're in a safe place. But the one is lost. That particular one is the one that the man is after. He still loves the other 99, but he's saying we need to go get the other one. I need us to understand this, that Jesus loves the lost. He will do everything he can to go find that one. This is why he's telling his story, because he has a heart for the lost. See, some of us in this room, we are safe, right? We believe in Jesus Christ. We have repented for our sins. We come to church on a consistent attendance record. We have maybe life groups or small groups. We we engage into God's word. We're safe. But there's also people out here that are not safe. And that's the one that Jesus is looking for. It goes on and keeps saying, right there in the text, won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search until the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, watch this, he will joyfully carry it, home on his shoulders. Understand, when we go out and search for sheep, the idea is that when we find it, we put the sheep on our shoulders and we take it somewhere. We are trying to get the sheep from one place to another. We are trying to get the sheep from a lost place and we're trying to walk them into a safe place. It is our responsibility as brothers and sisters in Christ that when we go find the sheep, we also carry the sheep on our shoulders. We're taking the sheep somewhere. We're walking them through life. We're trying to see if they're going—we want to help them become more like Christ. We're trying to get them to a place that Jesus would want them to be. There's one thing about sharing the gospel, but there's another thing about carrying someone. I, uh, I got two kids, Abigail and James. They're five and six. I have to take them everywhere they need to go. They can't go by themselves. I have to get them from one place to another. Jesus is calling us to help people get from one place to another. He's calling us to nurture people that are lost. How many people have you nurtured lately? How many people have you walked from one place to another? It's an interesting question. Sad commentary is that most Christians have never led a person to Christ. Sometimes we think that it is the pastor's job. Drew, it's your job. That's what some people think, that it's only the pastor's job to lead people to Christ. And yet I see God saying that it is the pastor's responsibility, but it's also every person who believes in Jesus. That we should be sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, leading people into repentance, and then carrying them from one place to another. What would the church look like if we deployed over 150 people into the neighborhoods and we started having conversations about Jesus? Watch this. Not about church, but about Jesus. I know you love your church. I love your church too, it is a very nice church. But he didn't say, the church saves you. It is Jesus, the Christ who saves you. So what would it look like if we were to just go out into the community and talk to people about Jesus? What would it look like if they confess their sins right there on the spot and watch this, and then I carry them to the church? Here's a safe place to worship. Here's a safe place to grow. Here's a safe place to learn more about God. What would happen if 150 people right here in this particular building were to go out and just start sharing the gospel and leading people to Jesus? It's a beautiful picture. Right there on the spot, they're coming to Christ. And then you're wondering what's next. Well, what's next, you lead them to a safe place. Lead them to a good church home. This particular text is teaching us this. Verse six, when he arrives, He will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. Understand that when we are finding lost sheep, when we are sharing the gospel, God also wants us to rejoice. Another word for the rejoice is to be glad. We should be happy when people come to Christ. We should be excited about it. What would the church look like if we were to go share the gospel, lead people to Christ, bring them to the church, and then we had a celebration about them coming to Christ? We would be glad, and everyone, yes, awesome. It is so good to see you coming to this family of families, this this, this family of faith. God wants us to rejoice. He wants us to have a party. Turn up, you know, just enjoy yourself. Be glad that God has sent you the lost. There are many different expressions of that. It could be a baptism party. That's normally what some churches do. The baptism service is a celebration. Because someone was once lost, but now they're found. Imagine that feeling again in the beginning. You lost your child, now you found it. Isn't that like a relief? God is having that same relief every time we open up the baptism pool. There's one bill that I think should be high in church. That's the water bill. Some of these other bills, ugh, interesting. But we definitely should be trying to get people to that particular place so that we can celebrate and that we can be glad about it. It's a different mindset sometimes. Because, and I'll be quite frank and honest with you, a lot of our churches, we build a model to where we attract people we have all the bells and whistles. So now, and I, and I love the bells and whistles, but what sometimes the bells and whistles do is make us lazy. Oh, well, the church is pretty. Just get them there and they'll like it. Well, pretty ain't going to take care of me three o'clock in the morning when I'm going through something, Jesus will. Jesus not only wants us to have a beautiful place of worship or wherever we worship, it be a safe and and beautiful place. He wants us to be able to get out and talk to people and bring them to that safe place. Go find the lost. Who is that one person that you know? They don't know Jesus. You know who I'm talking about. There's some people out there. You be like, they need Jesus. Jesus. Well maybe God is saying to you he wants you to tell them about Jesus. Rejoicing. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and turns to, and returns to God. Do you want to make God rejoice? See, heaven can be interchangeable in this particular passage as God. If you want heaven to rejoice, then you're saying you want God to rejoice. So, when is the last time that you make God rejoice? Do you want to make your God happy? That's the question. It's a good question, actually. Do we want God to rejoice? I know I do. I, I want God to rejoice and be happy. I want God to be pleased with our work. Well, sometimes the only way to do that, sometimes, is about telling people about Jesus. About a year ago, I... Uh, I'd engage into a residency uh, because God was putting on my heart to plant a church. And the first week of the residency, uh, they said, uh, we want you to share the gospel. I said, cool, I can do that. Been sharing the gospel eight, nine years now. I love standing in front of people speaking. I can talk to y'all all day. I've preached in front of thousands, I've preached in front of hundreds, I've preached in front of 10. I said, sure, I could do that. Then he said, no, 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 that's good that you do that, but I want you to go have a conversation with someone one-on-one about Jesus. I said, oh, whoa, that's what you want me to do? This is the first week of the residency. And I'm being challenged to talk to someone one-on-one about Jesus. Here's, here's my conviction, you all. I was so caught up in preaching to people that I was not talking to people one-on-one about Jesus. I was terrified to talk to one person, but right now I'm up here comfortable talking to y'all. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> I said like, i go going to talk to people about Jesus one-on-one? Cool. Get this thing a shot. I uh, think it was the, uh, I think it's the big damn bridge or something like that. I was walking across that thing. I saw this guy. I think he was like an Hispanic guy. And I said, "Okay, this is it. I'm about to say something to this guy." And I looked at him. Oh, I don't know what to say to this dude. I just kept on walking off. Just kept on walking. So many times, y'all, I didn't know what to do. I was like, oh man, this I'm over here trying to talk to people about Jesus. And I started getting convicted that I was okay speaking in front of hundreds, but I couldn't even walk to someone one-on-one and just start talking about Jesus. <laughs> so then what happened? I started praying in my prayer closet. God, I'm a punk. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's me. I have, that's how I'll be talking. So I'm, what's the what's the term for that? I am terrified. I, I I'm not I'm not doing this, God, right? Then I start praying through scriptures. And I start seeing some scriptures say uh, I share with boldness. So God let me be bold. And I would get out there again and couldn't do it start seeing more, start studying it more. And I saw a translation of boldness, it said confidence. So I said, God, give me the confidence to go out and talk to someone about Jesus. Why am I going through this? (laughs) We had an event, I believe it was a uh, food pantry event. Uh, We had just, I think, opened up our food pantry and... uh, um, one, one family could not make it to the food pantry, and I volunteered to take the food to them. I so said, I'll take it out there. Went out there, uh, it was a trailer park actually, and pulled up, saw the family, gave them the food. I said, God, please let me say something. I was desperate because I know i failed so many times. And I start telling them about God's original design. Then I start telling them about how the world is now. Then I asked them this question. I said, if something was to happen to you today, God forbid, how confident are you to go into heaven? On a scale of one to 100. He said, not confident at all. I said, would you like to know how to get into heaven? He said yes, and I told him how he could get into heaven if you believe and repent in the name of Jesus. And he said yes, I repent. And I said, you do. <laughs> Let me connect you with some deacons. Let me connect you with the church. Pray with him. Then I went out there next week, walking up to the guy. Say, man, I just want to chat with you. asked him the same question. How confident are you? That's actually him up right there. How confident are you about entering heaven? He said, not confident. Would you like to enter heaven? Yes. So I shared the gospel with him right there one on one. He said, man, you're in the right spot. It's a prostitute house right here, it's a dope dealer's house right there. Man, you're in the right spot. If you need some help, I got you, man. And I was like, whoa. What's going on? Pray for him, connected with him, got his number, connected him with the church. Then the next week I went out there. And it was this, it was like a gangster. And I know gangsters. You know, don't let the jacket fool you, right? I know some gangsters. He had teardrops in his eyes. I know what that meant. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh. That's him. I said, "Uh uh-oh. I, said, I can't. God give me confidence. The guy looked at me. He said, "I know you. Hold on, I'll be right back. I'm gonna go get somebody." I was like, "Oh God, it's over." <laughs> I tried, God. If I go out, I'm going out with the Lord, you know. He brings his brother back. He said, "Man, I heard you had something to say that's good. Please tell me and my brother." He was a Muslim and a gangster. I start telling him about how Jesus Christ will forgive him for all of his sins, that he doesn't have to work for it, and right there on the spot, you can give your life to Christ and you can be 100% confident that you are going to heaven. The guy start crying right there on the spot. It's like, God, whoa! stay connected with him and his brother. Praying with them, sending them scriptures, and getting them connected to a good church. Then one day I was uh, chatting with, was out there again, same place. And I saw a mom and I uh, said, ma'am, I just want to chat with you and your family. She had two teenage girls and I uh, she said, I'm good, but you can definitely talk to my, my two teenage girls. I said, yes, ma'am. So I started telling her two teenage girls about God and about Jesus Christ and how much he loves us. And it was just a beautiful conversation. And then we were, I was about to pray with the kids, and the mom started crying. She said, I have to confess, I have not talked to God in over 15 years because I had a miscarriage and I blamed him for it. And now I realize I haven't even talked to my daughters about Jesus. She said, I repent! And here we are all there bawling and crying with her daughters and her, and we're all just giving our life to Christ. Ahmad, what are you telling us? What I'm saying is There are so many lost people out there that are far from God, and he needs us to open our mouth just to get to him. It's not us who does the work, it is he that is in us that does the work. Ahmad couldn't do it on his own, he failed. But when I start praying for the power of God to speak through me and give me the confidence just to talk about who he is, God starts showing me fruit. Those are the two teenage girls right there. God starts showing me fruit. There's a scripture, Acts 19, verse 10. It blew my mind. Scripture says that within two years, <laughs> they shared the gospel with the entire province of Asia. They heard the gospel within two years. And I'm a Bible nerd, so i got to go in there and try to find out how many people were there. There's a lot of different things out there, but let's go with the number 350,000. 350,000 people heard the gospel of Jesus Christ in two years. 350,000 people, Scripture says in Acts 19 and 10, that they all heard the gospel within two years. Imagine if they can share the gospel in a whole country in two years, what can we do in our communities? <laughs> Jesus has already given us the power to do so, He wants us to share the gospel. Here's a question I have for you on this morning. How many of you in this room right now, if something was to happen today, God forbid, car crash, on a scale from one to 100, where are you? Are you confident that you will enter heaven? Are you 100% confident that you will enter heaven if something was to happen today? I don't know where you are, but if that number is anything less than 100, I want to tell you this, that Jesus Christ says in his word that if you believe in him, and repent of your sins, that you will inherit the kingdom of God, and that you will be in paradise with him today. How do I know this? Well, when Jesus was on the cross, there was two people, one on his right and one on his left. One man mocked him talked about him, said crazy things to him. The other guy said, you don't deserve to be in here. Will you please remember me in heaven? And Jesus said, on this day, you will be with me in paradise. All he had to do was give his life to Christ. He believed in him. The question I have for you is, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Are you 100% sure? And if not, I beg you to give it all to him. Do not walk around here thinking that you have to work for salvation. It's not about how much good you do in the community. You cannot work your way into heaven. We can only get there through the love of Jesus Christ. It's the only way. Who is someone that you know needs to hear this? Not Ahmad, tell him. Although I would love to. Not Drew, tell him. Although I'm sure he would love to. Not Daryl, tell him. I'm sure Daryl would love to. How many people do you know right now that you know need to hear that they can enter heaven? And all they have to do is believe in Jesus. Jesus' yoke is not as hard as this world. This world will eat you up and spit you out. But Jesus is not like that. He will give you life and life more abundantly. Is there anyone in your life, anyone? I'm talking about a friend, a neighbor, a brother, a sister, a spouse, anybody. Dog walker dentists, anybody that you know that you believe could benefit. Do you want them to be lost forever? How confident are you walking around knowing that they will not enter into paradise? Well, I just urge you on this morning, do like I did, get on your knees and pray. I've had a lot of people ask me a lot recently, Ahmad, you know, what, what is it that you're doing to get out there and I'm praying? The, my foundation is prayer. It is not some cool tool. It's not. It's all prayer. I walk on prayers. I pray for them before. I, I haven't even met them, that I pray for them. I pray the scriptures in their life. God, let them enter heaven through your son, Jesus Christ. God, I know about your burden. I know it's light. God, let them accept you today. God, right before I talk to this person, would you just work on their heart right now? (laughs) In the last 12 months, God has, (laughs) it's crazy, y'all. God has literally pushed out of me over 70 gospel conversations. No, 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 no. Not me. God pushed it out of me. God got me out there because I was terrified. I was shaking like a, like a, I was shaking. (laughs) You know, I, I was shaking. I was terrified. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. But I got on my knees and I begged God to show me. I begged God to lead me. It's been leading me. Now I can't, (laughs) I feel convicted if I'm not out there once a week. My prayer for you is to have that same conviction. Praying for that one person that is lost, and then speaking to them about Jesus the Christ, and then carrying them on your shoulders, getting them to a good church home, and praying that God would also get them to do the same thing. That's multiplication. That's what I pray for you. I pray for all of us. I pray for all churches, this same conviction. I believe that's what God is calling all of us to do, This is just share the gospel. Who is your one person that you know needs to hear it? I know you get busy with life and there are things that are just very important I know. Can you pause just for a few minutes and just pray about who's that one? Just for a few minutes. Do you want to leave this earth and never lead one person to Christ? Or maybe you've done it before. It's just not into it anymore. Don't be like the Pharisees and turn your hearts towards people that come into the faith. Associate with sinners. (laughs) Associate with people who are far from God. Associate with them. Hang out with them. Take them to lunch. Take them to dinner. Invite them for some coffee. Hang out. Make sure you're strong enough to hang out with them, but hang out. And Begin to ask God, Help me lead them to Christ. Paul said it many times. Paul said this. Paul said that that he led people not by elegant words. Sometimes he was stuttering. I don't know what to say. It's the power of God that will speak. But pray for the love of God in your heart to reach that one. This is my message to you. God bless you. God be with you. Let me pray for you. God, we thank you for who you are. God, we trust in you. We trust that you will ignite in us and give us the power to be bold, to have confidence, to just pray for The lost. We pray, God, that you would give us the confidence to pray for the lost sheep, to reach the lost sheep, to love lost sheep. Father, we pray that you would make us bold in you to speak to more people about Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that you would show us how to carry them on our shoulders so that they will look more like you. Father, we pray that we can get them to a healthy family of families. Father, we pray that our hearts does not turn. Father, let us love those who are lost. Let us depend on you. Let us not delegate these responsibilities But let us do it. God, you empower us to do this. You give us your power. You give us whatever we need to get out there. God, I know if we fail, we will fail in your name. I'd rather fail in your name, God, and get rejected in your name to not say anything at all. So God, would you just give us this power to do that? Would you give us the boldness and the courage to just tell people about Jesus? Would you make that multiply? Make it spread like fire. That our kids would be missional, that our brothers and sisters would be missional, that our older men and women of the church would be missional and that they would go reach the lost not in the name of us but in the name of jesus god show us that one in jesus name